This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I had to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'd, I'll, I'll never go back. Uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. Yeah. I'm too old. I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horseman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horseman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Going with Chris Trevor, the Hills Racing 47 Knot. This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into Horsepower Happenings on a beautiful Monday. Uh, it's birthday week, so I'm, I'm fired up tonight. We got two fantastic interviews lined up. Uh, Rich and I are really excited to uh, knock this one out of the park, so let's get into it. See what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Peyton Freeman, who made a name for himself during the 2022 Dirt Car Summer Nationals Hell Tour, has signed a contract with Team 22 Incorporated to compete with the World of Outlaws Case Construction Late Models. Freeman will be chasing Rookie of the Year in 2023. Speaking of uh, dirt car racing, modified champion Nick Hoffman also made some World of Outlaw news. He'll be taking over the uh, Ty Torug racing seat vacated by Devin Moran in 2023. He'll also be part of the World of Outlaw rookie class. XRS, or excuse me, SRX series officials announced today that all six races for the series in 2023 will be moved to Thursday nights. The broadcasts will be moved from CBS to ESPN and will bring back the Thursday Night Thunder Series. These races will run from July 13th through August 17th. And finally, Nice Motorsports announced last week that Portage, Michigan's Carson Hosovar will return to pilot the number 42 WWE X Racing Silverado in 2023. Hosovar had a solid 2022 campaign, again making the playoffs, racking up seven top fives, 12 top tens, two stage wins, leading 282 laps, and Rich coming this, this close to winning a couple of races in 2022 as well. And that's what's happening in Motor City Minute. Good evening, welcome in, I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. Good evening, sir. We keep saying we're, we're gonna have him on when he wins his first race. Gosh, I know. He can't get much closer, can he? Uh, he, uh, he was, that kid is going somewhere, right? I mean, and if he doesn't go somewhere in the truck series, sign him up for a, uh, for a dirt super late model ride because he looked pretty fun at the dome too. So he's a race car driver through and through. Yeah, I think he's having fun. I I think he's having fun in that uh, that dirt late model. He hasn't done a ton of it, so he's on like the fast track of learning it. That's right. But uh, but I think he's enjoying himself. With you know what they say, trial by fire. Uh, so he he definitely's been doing it that way. Uh, Rich, we got a huge show tonight, so we better dive into some things that are going on. Talk talk to me. Yeah, Zach, for its 38th consecutive campaign, we'll stay on the dirt side for a minute. The Dirt Car Summer Nationals returns to its familiar five week format spread out over one month period in June and July of 2023. The late models will contest 29 races over 33 days, while the Dirt Car Summit Racing Equipment Modified Nationals are slated for 25 events over the same time frame, uh, concluding the season with the final two races in the 33rd Annual Prairie Dirt Classic at Fairbury Speedway, July 28th and 29th. Uh, it's a schedule arrangement that has not been seen since 2019, and Zach, uh, if we want to catch the summer nationals in our area, 
Your options are pretty limited in 2023. Uh, Butler Motor Speedway is on the schedule for Thursday, July 13th, with a trip down I-94 on Friday the 14th to the Hartford Motor Speedway. Oakshade Raceway is on tap for Saturday, July 15th, which will also double as their annual birthday race. Uh, Friday and Saturday late model events will feature a traditional $10,000 to win purse with $5,000 to win during the events during the week, while the Summit Modified National Zach will battle for a $1,500 check at most of their events. Hey, I want to sneak in a couple of things uh, that came in just under the wire here as we got ready to start our show. And uh, then Rich and I are going to dive into a fun discussion uh, in the middle part of this program. First things first, uh, one of the most recognizable dirt racers and really race car drivers uh, across the country is battling double pneumonia and has been for the last couple of weeks. And that's, of course, Red Farmer. Uh, everybody knows that. Uh, you can't really call him a young man, but I don't want to call him an old man. Uh, but uh, that gentleman has been race running race cars for such a long time, and uh, he's battling some health issues. So our thoughts and prayers with him and his family. And then exciting news released tonight uh, for the future of a Michigan racetrack, and that is uh, Modville Speedway. They posted a vague announcement about an hour ago, an hour before the program, that says the historic Montville Speedway will be racing in 2023. An agreement has been reached as of today with a local business owner to take over the track. They'll be working closely together to make sure things have all come to uh, love about the track will be retained. We hope to have a tentative schedule and rules ready for publication by the end of the week. So there you go. Montville Speedway appears to have a future, and that's, of course, after the tragic passing of uh, its owner, Merle Holden, uh, back in October. So some great things uh, looking forward. To, you know, any opportunity that a racetrack appears to have continued life, Rich, I'm here for it. Yeah, and disappointing to hear about Red Farmer. Of course, I saw him um, a week ago, a little over a week ago. He was the Grand Marshal for the 55th Annual Snowball Derby, and um, he was looking good. So apparently he got uh, got ill pretty quick or wasn't feeling himself because uh, he was down there making his way through the pits, talking to everybody. So uh, hopefully Red Farmer gets, gets, gets better real quick. By the way, uh, to give you a specific number, 90 years old. Makes you look like a spring chicken, Rich. Finally, somebody does, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's get back into some racing news. Uh, this has been the talk of the town, and uh, we're going to talk uh, with the big wigs coming up. But uh, the ASA Stars National Tour. Uh, Rich, I want to stop right there because you were around when ASA was in its heyday. You watched the future superstars of NASCAR run at Toledo and other racetracks across the country. How do you feel about that naming? Um, I think it's great for the branding. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Um, they're not going to be... I don't think any of the rules are going to be anything similar. It's everything's going to be template super light model based, just like any template super light model you see today uh, with minor changes to make it fair for all three regional touring series, which they have to fit in under the banner, um, you know, to make it fair. So everybody's not building all brand new engines and all brand new race cars. Uh, they they want to do this seamlessly. So and they need to draw a good crowd. So I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to 2023, Zach. Of course, this was the headline that came out of uh, performance racing industry over the weekend. And so the nitty gritty details read like this Track Enterprises, a racing promotions company based in Illinois, and its president, Bob Sargent's, uh, Sargent, will operate the ASA Stars National Tour. It announced the acquisition of the CRA sanctioning body in January, followed that up with the purchase of the Arkham Midwest Tour in July. And then in October, Sargent announced a partnership with the Southern Super Series which set the table for the formation of what was, uh, for a very short time, 
known as the Stars National Tour. And uh, then out of PRI, uh, we heard the ASA uh, will be sanctioning the body for the tour. And they also released a 10-race schedule, Rich France. And when you comb over this thing, I don't think there's one thing to be disappointed about when you look at this schedule. No, I think it's perfect. And, you know, we'll talk to Joe Balish when he, when we have him on in just a few minutes. But um, I like how they did it. They They picked a lot of events that are really big events even today zach yeah um you go right down the list so it's not that they have to draw their own crowd right out of the gate they're going to go to these big events and and be able to put on a show in front of a full house uh for most of these events and i think that's going to be cool right out of the gate march 11th will be a standalone event at five flag speedway that's not really one that has anything drawn to it other than five flag speedway is commonly known as the uh, opener for the arca you know midwest or excuse me the arca east tour the arkham Menards east tour usually opens down there at five flags uh so i wouldn't be surprised to hear that there's a combo event there then may 7th you come back up north it's funny you take the compass and flip it over uh and uh, you're gonna go from pensacola to madison international speedway may 7th for the joe Shear classic and then rich this one's the one i'm circling on my calendar may 16th at north wilkesboro yeah, that's the NASCAR All-Star Race weekend, so they moved the NASCAR All-Star Race, uh, you know, up there away from right from Charlotte, so kind of kind of spreading that thing around a little bit. That should be real good. Uh, they do have a date for Hickory Motor Speedway, but they don't have a date announced for that yet. The, classic, the classic calendar marking TBA. TBA, yes, we always love that date. Um and then you get into the summertime, Zach, where you really got some popular events. The uh, July 11th, Slinger Super Speedway for the Slinger Nationals, always very popular uh, up in the north. July 15th, down in our neck of the woods, Anderson Speedway for the Red Bud 400. And then they go back to Wisconsin, Zach. And what a grueling week that's going to be. Take note of that. Uh, and, and intriguing to see where Hickory falls. I'm going to assume that'll be a June date for Hickory. But Slinger Nationals on July 11th. Anderson Speedway Redbud 400 on July 15th. These are these are two events that are traditionally hard on race cars. Uh, so this is going to be a tough one for these teams to make this four-day turnaround, as you mentioned. Uh, but then they get a couple of weeks before they go back to Wisconsin International Raceway for the uh, for the Gandrod Auto Group 250. And then, Rich, you and I actually had a whole phone conversation dedicated to this one. Uh, Toledo Speedway, the Glass City 200 scheduled for 200 laps for the ASA Stars National Tour. Yeah, we're going to have to see if that changes because we know that the Glass City 200 has been traditionally uh, an outlaw super late model event. Uh, And then when they shortened the race to 100 laps for the outlaws, they brought in the Arcaceri Super Series for a 100-lap event. So we'll have to see what happens there with that. Uh, I'm sure more to come uh, on the Toledo Speedway side. And then uh, you get into the regular ones, Zach, that – that we end the season with Winchester 400 and the All-American 400 at the Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. And, of course, staple events, um, they don't need any sanctions. They don't need anything like that. They are standalone events uh, that do great on their own. But they're also events that back in the day had ASA to boost them and grow them into popularity and make them uh, really exciting events that they are. Um this points fund is massive. Uh, it's a $100,000 minimum points fund for 10 races. Uh, these races are massive. These are some of the most high-paying races in the country. Uh, really, when you look at this, the only thing missing is the Oxford 250 as far as Crown Jewel events that you're looking for in this part of the country. Um, so 
$25,000 for the champion, $100,000 points fund, 10 races all across the country, really north and south, I-75 with a couple of shoot-offs, and uh, you're going to be right in the neck of the woods of some of the greatest racing in the country. I think it's just ironic, and, um, you know, I don't, we'll probably – I don't know if we want to talk to Joe about this, but uh, it's really ironic. All this came about after SRL made the decision that they were going to expand from the West and move out towards the Midwest. And uh, boy, when they went to work on something that could compete with that, uh, boy, boy, they, uh, they, they really made it count, didn't they? Well, I think the bottom line here is that if you want to see the best uh, super late model racing that you can find in the country, uh, it's going to be in an ASA national tour event, and there's no question about that. SRL is going to put on some good shows. Don't don't get me wrong. Uh, they've got a couple in our backyard that uh, you know we'll no doubt talk about. But uh, man, ASA schedule, it's got me excited. Well, Zach, we talked, uh, kind of gave our opinions on what's going on with the ASA Stars National Tour in 2023. Now we're going to get into more of the nuts and bolts, and uh, really glad to bring this gentleman on. Uh, he pretty experienced. He was. Between 2004 and 2012, uh, he was the series director for the NASCAR Bush and Nationwide Series. He is now the director of race operations for the ASA Stars National Tour. Great to have him on Horsepower Happenings. Joe Ballas, welcome. Thank you. Great to be on. Let me let me start with the easiest question first, just because we want to refer it properly. When this announcement was first made, it was the Stars National Series, and now we're using the word tour. Which one do we want to go with? Um. You know, we've kind of used both, and we apologize for for using both. But I think as we move forward, we're going to use STARS National Tour connected with the ASA. All right, cool. And, and what about you? With all the experience you've had, um, you know, it's, it, it's not like, you, you know, you, you haven't been doing this most of your life, but this has got to be <laughs> kind of invigorating for you, isn't it? Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was working in industry uh, back in, in 99 and got a phone call about helping uh, the American Speed Association convert from carburation to fuel injection. And uh, that went really well that, that first year, 1999. It was Jimmy Johnson's last year with ASA, I believe. And then the uh, following year, I got a phone call and they said, uh, hey, what do you think about being the technical director for the series? And so in 2000, I joined him as the technical director of the American Speed Association. And then, you know, this is the thing for me. We all kind of know that ASA uh, dissolved or what have you. It slowed down to a point where uh, it wasn't the way that it used to be. And there's been a craving for for something like the heyday of ASA, where we saw this really good springboard for short track drivers to get to the next level. And, and uh, Joe, this has been something that's been in the works for a couple of years that somebody somebody we knew had to do it. And and it finally came by way of track enterprises and, and you know, you come on board with them through Spire or what have you. Uh, that roadmap is, you know, we don't need to get into the nuts and bolts of that. But the excitement about, for you personally, Joe, seeing this ASA name pinned to something with great backers, great support from drivers, great support already from fans, and really, too, uh, great support from industry leaders who are capable of making this successful again. Yes. You know, there have been a number of attempts to kind of revitalize or bring back 
the ASA feel at events. And I've actually been in a couple of those conversations with different people, but they never really had the horsepower or the support behind it. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Bob Sargent got behind putting together uh, his plan for helping pavement super late model racing and, and pulling that all together, mm-hmm. Bob stepped up and made his great commitment with the three national or the three regional tours uh, that he either has partnered with or has purchased as we go forward and pulling all that together and then saying, Hey, what do you think? Can we do a national tour? And besides that, Hey, we've got an opportunity for a great brand. What do you think? And uh, you know, I put a smile on my face when he started talking about that and uh it really, I haven't been as excited to go to the racetrack as I've been here recently uh, since we started pulling all this together. And you mentioned that too. I have had a chance to be shoulder to shoulder with you at a couple of events this year with Champion Racing Association. You've been kind of scouting, you've been seeing, you know, firsthand getting inside the uh, super late model industry. And uh, in fact, you were there for the uh, ASA reunion during the Red Bud show at Anderson, and, and uh, what a lot of fun that was to see those guys and hear those stories and all that sort of thing. And, you know, of course, you kind of know what everything's driving towards, uh, hopefully by this point in the year with the Stars and, uh, you know, ASA and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, man, you want to talk about trying to keep something confidential. That had to have been tough for you to uh, reunite with all those guys and know that this really big, cool thing was in the works. Yeah, ab- absolutely, uh, you know. You kind of go there with a smile on your face. You know what's going on, and you, you can't say anything, and that is tough. Uh, you know, the, a lot of the people that came back to the, the ASA reunion were my former officials and office workers and, and those uh, people that really helped put the series on in those last few years. And uh, you, you can't say anything till it's official. And it, it took a while to put everything together and, and – uh, it really, you know, when it came together, then it's like, well, you know, we're three days away. We're, <laughs> we're two days away. We're going we're gonna to say this tomorrow. And, you know, there's some people out there that kept asking about it. And you just got to smile and say, well, you know, it would be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Knowing that it's right around the corner. Joe, talk to me, too. And, and I love this. Uh, you know, when we were kind of having some conversation, I love the fact that you know, you were at these races with Champion Racing Association. You were at Arkham Midwest Tour races. Uh, you know, you're at Southern Super Series events. Knowing that, you know, you're going to have this task uh, with ASA or with STARS uh, coming up, I love that you don't just decide, you know, to say, I'm Joe Balish. I've done it all. I've seen it all. Don't ride the shirt tails of your previous success. You really wanted to get in and see what today's super late model team was like, super late model race procedures and structures and things that they're used to. I mean, you really went all in to make sure that you knew what 2022 and 2023 super late model racing was all about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I can't be naive enough because I was away from super late model racing or, or late model racing for a long time. Now, I've had some experience with similar cars with uh, the NASCAR Euro Series, uh, you know, the, the NASCAR Mexico and the Pindy Series all have some relation to super late model racing, 
but yet have their own unique element. So the parts and pieces, some of them are similar. A couple of them are different. Uh, but I really, I didn't want to come in with any preconceived notions. And I wanted to be open with the teams to say, look, I'm here. I want to talk to you. I want your feedback. I need your input. Uh, and that's, that's the way our whole organization has been, trying to get input from everybody that has a stake in this. Uh, super late model racing is really a very high level of racing and a big business for a lot of people. And uh, you've got to do your homework. And uh, hopefully we've, we've been doing that properly over the last few months. Uh, and if I could add the, uh, you know, the Red Bud, uh, then getting into the Winchester 400, the, the at Nashville at the All-American 400, and then finally at the Snowball Derby was a chance for uh, me to work with the officials on a high level and uh, get to know them, get to know their abilities. They're a great group of men and women that put these events on. They, they work really hard. Uh, they generally have a day job, so they're doing this because they love it. They have a passion for it. And it really came together, uh, you know, through those three races uh, leading up and then finishing with the Snowball Derby. Got to give them a lot of credit. Joe, before we get into the, some of the nuts and bolts, which we'll never be able to, co- you know, cover in 20 minutes, right? Um but, you know, I, that we had we, we, we put a, a post up that you were going to be on tonight and, and already it, it struck questions within like five minutes. So <laughs> I, I, want, I, I need to do a clarification here with the ASA, with the I, uh, with the intellectual property rights that NASCAR owned and, and they were releasing. Um, make it clear. Yes or no. Is there going to be a NASCAR footprint on this tour? Um, we, we have been able to license the ASA brand. And that, when I say we, uh, through, you know, Bob Sargent and what Bob does with track enterprises license the ASA brand. Um, but we have total autonomy to run the events how we feel we need to run the events. So it'll, you're using the ASA as for branding and, and that's, the extent of NASCAR's involvement. Correct. Correct. Now, you know, they're within the industry. Um, you know, they're great partners and from time to time, if questions come up on different things, you know, there, we, we can have a conversation, uh, you know, it, uh, we'll use an example of, uh, uh, marking the V for, the restart zone, yeah, right? Um, you know, it, it, you, you can pick up the phone and make a phone call and talk to them about it and, and, and those type of things. But, uh, you know, they're, they've been, you know, great partners throughout my career, and I think they'll still continue to be if, if there's a question that comes up. But, you know, we are developing the rules package and, you know, the operations and those type of things, uh, kind of uh, autonomously to that how difficult is it seeing you you just brought up the rules package you know you're you're dealing with three regional series that you want to draw competition from and and none of them have exactly the same rules some of them are are close to the same but you really have to find a balance 
that all three can live with because you're going to be drawing teams from all three of those areas. Yes. Yeah. There, there is uh, a balance with that. Uh, the Sunoco super series or the Southern super series sponsored by Sunoco uh, and the uh, ARCA CRA series both run under almost identical rule package. So those two were pretty easy. Um, You know, some of the bigger elements with the ARCA Midwest series is the two-barrel carburetor rules. Uh, So when we put together the package for the national tour, the national tour, all of the 10 events will run under the same uh, rules and operations, uh, which means that all those races will be four-barrel carburetor rules. And that was probably some, one of the bigger things that, that we had to talk through. I want to go to, uh, I mean, the competition side of things. You guys, of course, that line is open for drivers and, and car owners and team members, uh, and it has been for quite some time on the website for folks who have questions to reach out to you or Bob or, or anybody, really, Glenn, uh, right on down the line. I want to talk fan experience now because that was one of the things that you mentioned at the top of this was that search for an ASA feel at the racetrack. What does that mean to you, Joe, as as a you know the the director of this whole thing? What are you looking for the fan to experience at an ASA Stars National Tour event other than a great product on the racetrack? Well, I think first of all, if you look through the ten races that uh, we have on the schedule um all but probably one or two have been traditional asa events that that people have gone to and and seen asa racing there before yeah Uh, the the fan experience should be uh you know we want we want you there we we want to have you come and have a great time. Uh, you know, we're working on things like items on the midway. Uh, we're looking at running the show on time. I can't tell you how much wow. I learned in the original ASA about starting the show on time. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, everything starts with a TV time and works backward, <laughs> right? That's right. So you gotta, you gotta have a tight schedule. Uh, and you, you, people know what to expect when you get there. Uh, and you know, there's a good entertainment value, uh, when you come to the racetrack for, for one of those events. And that's what we're hoping to bring forward. Uh, you know, we've got so many things that we've got up on the board right now that we're, we're talking about and trying to implement, but we're still so new in this. It's hard to say today, which one of those elements will actually make it to the, the schedule for, for the races. The industry is uh, so unique right now where we're seeing race car drivers uh, in the top series of NASCAR negotiating with car owners to get an opportunity to come back and run lower division races, whether it's dirt sprint cars, dirt late models, uh, you know, asphalt super late models, 
or that sort of thing. It's becoming a real negotiation tool. And, you know, in your day of ASA, Joe, uh, ASA was was almost the farm system. It was almost, you know, double-A Toledo, uh, you know, before you went to triple-A in trucks and then, you know, worked your way in through the Bush Series and got into the Cup Series. There's so much back and forth right now between guys who already have NASCAR contracts and the super late model realm. Um, it just seems a little different right now where that door almost kind of revolves rather than being one way where you're in the, you know, you're, you're here to get there and now guys are getting there and coming back to race in short track races again. Um, what is the, what is your take on that and, and kind of how ASA can kind of still be that springboard to the next level, but also have arms open for those guys who want to come back and play? Well, hopefully with, we have a series and we have a playing field within super late model racing where it's fun to come back to, right? It's, it's back to the grassroots of where those drivers have started. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's a place where they can race at a high level with a lot of really good competitors that, that either went, had a chance within the upper ranks or decided to make super late model racing their home, but yet there's a lot of big names and strong competition. Uh, so, you know, we're seeing that that kind of resurgence of uh, drivers that have been in the upper levels that, that, that come in when they have an open weekend, they want to participate. Or if we have an event that's on a, a Tuesday night, they'll, they'll come back and, and race with us. Uh, and I think it's just because super late model racing for them is a fun place to come and uh, not have all the other pressures uh, of an event weekend. Man, one of the most fun races I got to call this year was at IRP, and it was two of the NASCAR boys just going at it. And uh, then, of course, Brian Campbell had to throw his hat in there and say, don't forget about us old late model guys that still know our way around these cars. So, uh, you know, that's just it, right? You're getting a mix of those guys who are racing on Sunday uh, but making a point to come back and race with, uh, you know, with the dogs who, who love super late model racing as well. And uh, and this, this schedule, too, is almost built perfectly for that. Yes, yes, it is. It's it's tracks that historically have been really cool action packed races for the race fans and tight competition for the drivers. And Joe, you know, Zach, Zach and I had kind of previewed the schedule uh, before we brought you on, but what I thought was cool is you guys are going to have your inaugural season at some of the events that are, uh, that have been ongoing for quite a long time at Madison, the Joe Shear classic, for example, uh, slinger, Slinger Nationals, and then you get Anderson, Redbud, Toledo Speedway, the Glass City 200, Winchester, the Winchester 400, Nashville Fairgrounds, All-American 400. This is going to expose your product uh, and your brand to fans that are already interested in these events. Yes. Yes. We, we actually purposely looked at taking three events from each one of the regional tours and making them a national tour event with the 10th race being at Nashville at the All-American 400, so that each regional tour kind of had equal representation of different tracks. But, you know, when you look at the amount of tracks that are available, that list is pretty good. And I think we picked uh, some of the best. 
I got to tell you, I'm looking at this calendar, and, and you know, of course, uh, I love the Red Bud 400. That race is so fun. I know, Rich, you love the Glass City 200. Uh, but I think May 16th may be a weekend that a lot of people are looking at uh, with the uh, North Wilkesboro and, and kind of falling in line with uh, what NASCAR's got going on with their All-Star weekend and the buzz around returning to North Wilkesboro. Uh, of course, the buzz about what's going on with Nashville as well. Uh, this is just so cool. I just really feel like... And, and, you know, we've talked about this on this show. I've heard other podcasts talk about it. The resurgence of this division, the resurgence of interest in pavement racing, um, just how exciting. We know 2023, man, can it get here fast enough? I just can't use any other word <laughs> other than excited, you know? Yes, yeah. We, we were lucky enough to run the Supers at North Wilkesboro this year, uh, get a feel for the, the venue and – uh, going back there, and uh, you could feel the history when you when you go to North Wilkesboro. I mean, that uh, you know they haven't really changed much when we did that race this year, and uh, you can you can just feel the 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 history and and you know I tell the rookie drivers when when I do rookie meetings is you need to take the time to learn the history of the sport if you're going to earn anything in it and have some reverence to the history of it. And, uh, I think, you know, our schedule, you know, has, has that history built in it as well. And Joe, what I, what I think is cool, you know, um, you know, Bob's Bob Sargent is all in on this and he's bringing in the best of the best to make this thing work. You and, and he's brought in Mark Gunderham from, from ARCA who, who spent 17 years with Ron Drager and, and for the marketing side of it to, to make that work. Um, what's the next step for you guys now? I mean, obviously, you know, you haven't been able to answer a ton of questions. Uh, you know, you have, you kind of have the rules posted up, but what's the next step that you guys have to get completed? Um, so you're ready to head down to Pensacola in March. Well, I, you know, there's, there's a number of things we have to do. So we just announced that the ASA brand will not only be on the stars national tour, but it's also connected with all the regional tours. So we're going to have to do a lot of work with some rebranding. We're going to print a lot of decals and a lot of vinyl with some new <laughs> logos on it. We're going to have to get some some uniforms uh, taken care of and all sorts of things, uh, you know, with that that rebranding. That's that's a lot of work. Uh, you know, we we have individual series stickers on a lot of stuff that need to be converted over. Uh, so that you know, that's one thing. Business development is working really hard on the sponsorships, not only from the, the contingency sponsors with the Fender decals, but to individual race sponsors and uh, a series sponsor as well. So there's a lot of heavy lifting that has to go on with the, on the business development side. You know, we get a lot of po folks who listen to our podcast, uh, whether it's fans or drivers, and uh, I hear from officials as well who like to listen and hear what's going on. One of the cool things I saw at a PRI <clears throat> was my buddy, <clears throat> excuse me, my buddy Greg Wood was set up and if uh, you thought you wanted to be a CRA official, he was willing to talk to you uh, because there are some holes, right? There, the, the officials 
Uh, this is one of those sports where, uh, you know, the, the folks who know what they're doing in this sport are kind of, they're like my buddy Rich. They're getting older. And uh, so this is an opportunity. Ouch. As, this is <laughs> an <laughs> opportunity. This, this, this is an opportunity as well for, for folks who are looking, you know, I, I just thought it was cool. If you're looking to officiate on a, on a next level, next scale, uh, you know, that, that, you know, you guys weren't bashful. You, you guys need some help too. Yeah, absolutely. With three regional tours. Uh, and a national tour, we we need a number of people. Um, I would I would like that you know everybody that works at, on the national tour level is uh, at minimum working on one of the regional tours as well. Uh, so you know that's a that's a big commitment for someone to do, uh, you know, ten, twelve, fifteen races in a regional tour, and then uh, with the combination you add another. Uh, six or seven more for the national tour. So, you know, that's a lot of weekends uh, away from home. So it, it takes a number of people to be able to schedule out. Uh, and not only with uh, our super late models, but when you're talking about uh, the CRA, I mean, we also have sportsmen and street stocks that we need to officiate along with our, our, uh, our Jags pros. So there's a lot of racing just within CRA that needs officials that, uh, you know, know race cars and can make good decisions. There's going to be a lot of people happy to hear you uh, mention those other three divisions, too, for CRA, because I think there was some concern uh, that they were going to fall to the wayside and some, you know, three, especially that JEGS tour, uh, three really great tours right there under CRA's uh, blanket that I know folks were happy to hear were going to be retained. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, when you when you're starting a new series, you know the conversation normally, you know, leans over onto the what's new and shiny, but we still have a lot of great races and a lot of great competitors uh, in those other divisions. Joe, obviously you got a, bu- a a lot in your bucket right now, and you have a whole lot to get done before March. But w- when we get to Pensacola, what's gonna what's it gonna look like for Joe Balish on race day? <laughs> oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a loaded question. Well, uh, you know, I think by the time we get to Pensacola, we'll already have uh, some work under us with uh, already having one event kind of working uh, down in uh, Cordell with the uh, the Watermelon Capital event we've got going on. Uh, so we'll, we'll have a, a start of the season down there. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, making sure that we have all the right staffing in place, uh, you know, we've got the the right officials, uh, we make sure that we we stay organized, we make sure that we stay on time, uh, and then bring the fans in and let them have a good experience. Let them see some great racing at Pensacola. Well, Joe, uh, I know that I speak for a lot of people across the, the state, the country, the region, uh, when I say that we are excited for 2023 uh, and, and appreciative of the hard work of, of you and, and of Bob Sargent and, of course, the series directors as well for the three regional series that have, have kind of come together in 2022 and uh, and let you guys in and said, yeah, we're, we're back in this thing. We're ready to have a national tour. And 
Uh, man, you guys knocked it out of the park with this inaugural schedule, uh, which, again, can be found online. Uh, everything is, is up there. They're ready to go. The tours, the, uh, the announcements, uh, the schedule, all that's up there. Uh, so, Joe, now we just sit back and wait, as you said, that first kind of regional event at Watermelon, and then to kick things off March 11th down at Pensacola. Uh, can't get here fast enough. I know you want to pump the brakes because you got things you got to get done first, but as a fan, we're ready to get it done, man. So congratulations also on, on getting this thing. Uh, this monster built and, and getting the position that you're in and uh, just uh, looking forward to seeing what comes of it in 2023. Well, well, thank you. And I, I hope all the race fans, uh, you know, come out and see us and uh, see the great racing. Uh, hopefully within a, a short period of time, we'll be able to announce, uh, you know, our, our television and streaming packages so we can get fans from all over the country to, to tune in onto what we're doing. And, uh, we hope that uh, everybody has a really safe uh, 2023 race season. Joe Ballish, the Director of Race Operations for the new ASA Stars National Tour. Joe, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. Thank you, gentlemen. Really appreciate you having me on. Well, again, uh, can't say thanks enough to Joe Ballish uh, for making time to uh, chat with us. And he did that, too, all throughout the season. You know, he's, he's busy. He's got a lot of notes he's taken, and he always made time to talk to us at the races, and we're appreciative of that uh, for sure. But, uh, Rich, we got to move on in this jam-packed schedule. Let's talk. Looking ahead a little bit to uh, January for the 37th annual Lucas Oil Chili Bowl Nationals presented by General Tire. Check this out. Exceeding the 300 mark for the ninth year in a row, the December 9th deadline for discounted early entry was met with 300 entries so far for the event that takes place January 9th through the 14th inside the uh, SageNet Center at Expo Square in Tulsa. Adding one more former champion to the mix, New York's Tim McCready, who won his Golden Driller in 2006, will return in the Daughtry Motorsports 39T. Other past champions in the mix include Sammy Swindell, Damian Gardner, and defending race winner Tanner Thorson. In all, the current list of entries includes 46 former A feature starters and 62 event rookies. Both numbers are expected to grow as the event draws closer and entries are accepted all the way until the final preliminary night. Well, now one of the drivers who's going to make up that massive list that we've already that we just talked about, uh, getting set to head out west. It's our pleasure to welcome in the Fenton, Michigan driver, uh, Steve Irwin. Welcome into Horsepower Happenings, my friend. Yep, thanks for having me tonight. Man, uh, I, I love it. You put out a little call, I think, uh, not long ago. You said, hey, if anybody's got a car that they need a driver for out at the Chili Bowl Nationals, let me know. And, uh, you know, it was funny, too. Darren did the same thing, you know, looking for a 600 ride if somebody's got one. And lo and behold, it was like the same week you both snatched up rides uh, to go out mm -hmm. and, and see what was going on at the Chili Bowl, man. Uh, talk to me about how exciting that is uh just to get a chance to go back out there and see what's going on. Yeah. I mean, me personally, I've never run the chili bowl. I've been out there with Darren at the shootout with the mini sprints and I've never had an opportunity to drive. So, I mean, it's been a dream of mine since I've uh, started racing, but it's super expensive to go out there and do it. And right. uh, I'm driving for the Simons and they made it, uh, a good deal for me to go out there and do it this year. Kind of introduce us to the Simons. Uh, you know, you post that. That's who you're driving for. Uh, you you kind of are a wheel man. You, you can jump seats. You can drive your own stuff. So tell us who this team is. Give us a little introduction, a little background on who you're racing with. Well, it's uh, Kyle and Jim and Steve Simons stuff. I drove their sprint car uh, back in 2013 and 14 when Wayne Hill ran non-wing. 
they would take two cars and they've had a bunch of people in their cars, uh, Meserol, Scotty Weir, um, guys like of that nature. And um, Kyle um, got some money to build a new car. So he offered me his old car from the Chili Bowl that he's been running for the last four or five years. And uh, we've been down there working on the stuff um, for about a month. So um, me and Kyle are going out there. Kyle's got a new car and um, I'm running his car from last year. Steve, obviously around here, state of Michigan, Great Lakes traditional sprints, we see you all the time doing that. Uh, you, you like to get away and go to other tracks and, and give them head head down south. But how do you do oh, this? Yeah. How do you do this to the track to a track indoors that you've never been to before? How do you go into that one? Well, I mean, my only experience is being out there as being a crew guy. So, I mean, I got familiarity with the building. But um, I've walked the track. That's a start, I, I guess. I've, I've, I've walked the track, and, and the shape of the track is actually similar to a lot of the short tracks in Michigan, like just the, the angle you get in the corners and all that. And obviously it's like it's scaled down, but it's similar to a lot of the, the Michigan tracks like uh, of the shape. So I'm kind of going to take that approach as far as, you know, um, looking at it from a driver's perspective. Yeah, you see anything in your driving style? Obviously, you have a style up here when you're outdoors. You're going to have to change that up a little bit to be successful over there? I mean, once I get racing, I think I'll be okay. It's just getting used to a whole different type of race car. I, the last time I drove a midget was in 2008. I had an opportunity to run Angel Park when they ran midgets there every Sunday. I'd run 360s around here, and then I would drive out there and run a midget. So it's been a long time, but I'm trying to recall what a midget feels like and all that. So I, I think once I get used to the, the car itself, I'll be okay. And then the, the, the actual racing part and being a tight uh, configuration isn't much different than like a, a Merritt or a Mount Pleasant or a Silver Bullet or a Crystal in a sprint car. So just for the quick math, for those wondering, 14 years uh, since you've raced a midget uh, is quick math there. So, uh, you know, obviously you get a chance to sit in the car, uh, kind of, you know, warm, you know, getting comfortable and that sort of thing. Has technology changed a lot in 14 years? Or, I mean, what are you feeling? Are you your own crew chief? Take me through some of that stuff. I mean, the technology side of things, how are you feeling about that? Yeah, I mean, midgets have come uh, leaps and bounds since then. Um, my only benefit is other than USAC, I would say Angel Park was one of the, the power I wasn't around back then and, and all the other divisions. Um, it was a super highly competitive place to be when I did do that in 2008. Um, so I'm used to, I'm used to that as far as the midget deal goes. Um, but the, the engines and the tires and the shocks are all different, but there's a lot of people that have called and, and offered a ton of help. And, you know, uh, Kyle's been out there four or five years. We're going out. Um, we're kind of, everybody's got their own car, but we're, I'm kind of going out with the whole Matt Westfall, uh, Bordner welding, uh, right. crew. So there's, there's, there's a lot of people that are knowledgeable that I can lean on and, um, you know, there, you know, there'll be a lot of help. And that's not to say that you're not knowledgeable either. I want to kind of back up a little bit because 
obviously people come to you all the time for help on the big car, you know, with the non-wing stuff and the wing sprint car. How much of that transfers to a midget as far as technology goes? Well, I mean, I haven't been around it, obviously, like you said, in about 14 years. But the stuff that people are throwing at me, like, this is not like a sprint car. This is not like this. It's like this. And really about 50% of it, I mean, just to uh, simplify it, is kind of like a sprint car. And the other 50% is a lot of like the micro stuff that I did with Darren. Okay. So I'm trying to mesh, I'm trying to mesh that together as far as the, as far as the setup stuff and, and just, just do that and, and, and see how it feels on practice night on Sunday. Steve, we just finished up the 2022 season. Uh, you've been at this a while. Kind of give us a great performance of how you thought your 2022 went. A D. um um, i I was kind of worried with the the economy and stuff and me and my wife we we really didn't um improve our our own sprint car program too much um we were just kind of worried about spending money and we didn't know where everything was going to be um so we came right out of the box and was real competitive and won in one a few races but then i think we were on second like seven times or something so we kind of we kind of fell off because we didn't really put a lot of money into shocks change every year and all that. So um, I mean, everybody's like, "Well, you won three races," and we didn't run anywhere for points. We um, we did run uh, the GLTS full time, and we missed one or two races and still finished third in points. But um, we got out, ran some boss races, and we went to Florida and. We ran some of those extreme races and we went to uh, Missouri and we kind of got out there and just see where we're at. But um, that's what our plan is going into 2023 is to try to move forward with the non-wing program and, and try to make it a little bit better. And, and that's what I was going to say. You know, we're going to in just a couple of weeks, we're going to turn turn the calendar over to 2023. Um what do you think you need to do better uh, to get back to, to get that grade up back where you want it? Sounds like spend well, money. <laughs> spend yeah, money. Well, spend well, money, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's spend money, obviously. Um, but we've always ran what wing chassis and we ran non-wing. So, um, and I was successful doing that. And all my buddies in Indiana and Ohio that run non-wing full time, they're like, well, you just need to get a non-wing chassis. So, we're actually switching from our wing style cars and we ordered a, a DRC uh, non-wing car. Um, so that that's a big upgrade and we're going to work on our shock program a little bit and try to get our motors a little bit better. How are you feeling about that? Because I know when I come around and I talk to you, you are not bashful uh, in telling me that, that that's a Steve Irwin chassis that you're racing uh, in that non-wing car, that that's something that you've worked on and tweaked on and made your own for, for you know, a couple of years. Uh, how you feel about getting a, a chassis that's built by somebody else and is designed for the style of racing that you're doing? Well, I mean, I, I, I ran Maxims for years and years and years, and my whole thought process around that is I've always had one car. So when we would order, we would get a Maxim car, we would get something in between a wing car and a non-wing car, so if we want to go wing racing, we could be competitive. If we want to go non-wing racing, we can be competitive. But with Barry taking over the non-wing stuff and having more 
invaders from Indiana and more invaders from Ohio. That's all, that's all they do is non-wing is that we got to kind of be more non-wing centric in our thinking and not that we weren't competitive and not that we couldn't win races, but it's getting harder and harder to do that. So we kind of had to give in and, and go like a hundred percent non-wing instead of 50%, if that makes sense. And those differences, they've got to be minute, right? I mean, or, or are they, cause I remember the one show at Hartford where you guys were tearing wings off to run non-wing and throwing them on to get out there and run wing and you damn near won both races. Um, how much is different? Are we talking about torsion bar sizes? Are we talking about weight? What is the big yeah, difference? I'm, the the setup stuff and the bolt-on stuff is a big deal, but they've done stuff with the chassis and the pickup points and, and a lot of stuff with that. And I think that's when we go traveling, that's where we're, that's kind of where we're lacking. Okay. So um, it's kind of like, I don't know. I, I can't make really a stock car reference. Uh, <laughs> hey, we but, have open wheel fans on this show. That's okay. They're tracking with you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what we've always done has been with necessity because either we, either we were we were had a 360 in the car, like in the late 2000s before the 2010s, and we run a 360 car with a wing on and take the wings off and run non-wing on the same night or during the sod days we would run the sod program and the non-wing program the same night. And usually with me and my wife's budget, we only can have one car and one engine. Sure. So we kind of just kind of split the middle, but um, with, with the expansion of the non-wing series and it getting tougher and, and it's paying more money, that's kind of, you know, as time's gone on, that's kind of been my bread and butter. So we're kind of just, we had to make a decision and go that route. So are you excited then? I mean, is excitement a word to say you're going to, you know, you're buying a chassis that's dedicated to the type of sprint car racing you want to land in right now? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I've drove, I've drove, like I said, like Simon's that I'm driving for, um, Kyle, Steve, Nikki, and Jim let me run the chili bowl. Um, you know, I drove their sprint car down at Waynesfield and years ago and, and, that gave me, and they have, they've always been a non-wing team. So it's like, I've been in cars at, at times that were non-wing cars and I could see the advantage of them and, and, and whatnot in, in our team, it's like being in Michigan, not being full-time non, you can't, I mean, Barry's getting it to the point where it's going to be, uh, financially, um, doable to go full non-wing racing you know um nothing knocking you know the 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 old non-wing series or whatever but there wasn't enough money into it and there wasn't enough pay to to sustain and go that full route you know what i mean so it's it's to the point now where you know there's enough money into it and in our local area that you can invest into it and and get a little bit of return and Steve, you know what I've noticed that, that that probably has you pushing a little more is, you know, I, whatever division it is, whether whether it's wing, non-wing, whether it's on pavement, late models, whatever. These these youngsters that are jumping out of these cars looks like they just got off the middle school bus, you know, right. and and, and right. they are not they are not scared to go fast. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing. I mean, you got you know, and and that's what's good about the non-wing division up here is 
is uh, I'm excited about Nottoway as a whole in Michigan because you got veterans like me that's done it for a while. I've traveled around, but it, it's cool to have like a Keith Shepherd Jr. that really wants to do it, and he's really good non-wing, and he's done some traveling and, and has some some success because the non-wing division isn't going to move forward with just one person. You know what I mean? You need you know a few guys to be able to hold up the series around here, and then we all need to be able to go and travel and and show what we can do you know what i mean it doesn't it's not going to just land on me or one person that's fast it's 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 going to be a collective of three or four or five of us that can can commit to the non-wing thing and be able to show like what talent we have up here you know i want to talk about let's get back to the chili bowl side of things with you and that ride and kind of piggyback on you know the age a little bit and i'm not giving you a hard time at all steve what I am giving you a hard oh, yeah. time about is, you know, in one weekend up here in Michigan, you can maybe run six races. If you bring two cars, three nights, you're looking at six races in that span of three times. Uh, this Chili Bowl deal is going to be very demanding for you uh, between hot laps, uh, between the alphabet soup, multiple days of alphabet soup to try to make the big show. Um, how much mm-hmm. of how much preparation do you have to do physically and mentally to get ready to go out there? Well, mentally, I've already worked on it, but you know how you, uh, in the wintertime you add some weight, Yeah, you know what I mean? And, and when you get older like me, it's easier to get on weight. And, you know, my nephew's already been screwing with me because he's <laughs> 15 years old. He'll turn 16 and he's already on the treadmill. And as he's on the treadmill, he's watching Ink Our Camera and wow. I'm drinking a beer watching Ink Our Cameras <laughs> on the couch. So uh, <laughs> I need to, I need to get after it. So, uh. um, we need to we need to start working on you know eating a little bit better and um, and doing some exercises and stuff because that's what people don't understand about non wing racing or midget racing. Not that the wing stuff isn't demanding, but you got to hustle anything without a wing a lot, and it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of cardio in in the cockpit. Steve, we, we were we had a little story right before you came on. Three hundred and eight entries as of Saturday. Uh, for on the midget side, where do you expect that to get up to? I would, I would assume it's going to be over 400 for sure. Um, which is, which has been normal the last few years. I've been out there as a crew member. So I do have a little bit of, of knowledge, like I said, of the track and, and a little bit of setup stuff on the midget stuff. But when you don't do it every week, you know, it's, you know, and then you got to kind of separate that where, you know, I'm a technical guy and I'm more of a cerebral driver than just a guy that gets in the car and, and hits the gas. So I, you know, I, I, it makes me a better driver if I know what's going on. So I've been trying to cram as much midget setup stuff in my head in the last month as I can, as I can. And it helped, um, being teammates with Kyle and being out there with my buddy, Matt and going to Ohio and just, as we're working on the cars, just, we talk about stuff and you just try to soak all that in and, 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 and do the best you can and, and try to just cram as much in your head as you can. And then once you're out there in the car, just try to just drive the best you can and, and everything everybody told you, hopefully that comes out in a natural way. Don't let Zach give you a hard time. I, I work all day and then I got to take a double shot of Geritol. Just do this show every week. <laughs> 
So, <laughs> so do what you got to do, my friend. Uh, go out there and have some fun. Oh yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, we're gonna have fun. I mean, that's a, that's the biggest thing. Um, I mean, I'm super honored to be part of it. Like, I kind of g- gave up on it about ten years ago. I tried to get rides and and do stuff and and didn't never thought I'd ever be, ever be able to do it. And because of the Simons, I can do it. And I'm sure there will be some other um, media members pick up on you know, me and my nephew doing it and him being 16 and me and being my forties and we're rookies at the same time. So I, I, I can't lie to you. Like number one goal is to get us high in the alphabet soup on Saturday and, and, and maybe uh, be able to beat Darren and, and get a better, better result than him. And that's obviously a, a goal. You kind of uh, answered my last two questions, but I'm going to lay them out on, on you anyhow, uh, because you have done so much in your career. You you really have. I, I hope you can look back at your career and call it successful from Silver Crown and, you know, what that led to with a couple of stock car opportunities and, you know, then the great open wheel success that you've had, uh, you know, here and, and throughout the country. Getting this opportunity to go to the Chili Bowl Nationals compared to everything else that you've done, where is this rank on Steve Irwin's list of accomplishments? I would say it's up there in the top three. I wow. mean, um, the Silver Crown stuff, running like Phoenix Speedway, um, doing that stuff, um, you know, um, running USAC races, um, running all-star races. But I, I would say this is – you're going to be up in the top two because it, it's so much money to go out there. It's so hard to get opportunity. Um, and especially the older you get, the more everybody doesn't want to put you in a car. So, I mean, I mean, really the, the success I've had in a non-wing car in the last two or three years probably helped me get, get this opportunity. So, but at this point in my career, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where, you don't want to put too much pressure on yourself and you, you just want to go out there and try to take it all in because it's something that you always want to do and didn't think it was going to happen. So it's, uh, and as you get older, you get more, you, you reflect more on things. So I, I'm, I'm going to try to soak it all in and try not to get too nervous about it and just try to have, you know, have some fun with my buddies out there. And then the last thing is somebody so competitive as such as yourself and so accomplished such as yourself, uh, by the time you get out there, as you mentioned, you're probably going to be looking at 400-plus drivers all looking to do the same thing you are. How do you manage expectations, and what do you call a successful trip to the Chili Bowl Nationals? I mean, obviously, I would like to, on my preliminary night, get through my heat race, get in a qualifier, and make the A-man on my preliminary night. But I think a realistic goal when it's all said and done if there's 400 cars, I'd like to be half the field. Okay. You know, if I could be the 200th car, I think that's a good, that's a good realistic goal. Obviously I want to be better than that, but um, with the Keith Coons cars and the guys who run midgets all the time and all the money they got and, and, and all that stuff, um, you know, that, that's a pretty good goal. I mean, there, there is rookie money, out there and to be the top rookie would be another goal if, if we get comfortable and, and we, and we do that. So I, I think that if, if I look at it and be conservative and say, well, if you can be half the field, you beat 200 guys all over the country and there really isn't 
anybody out there that drives a car that isn't good. So, I mean, there's probably, I don't know. I mean, out of 400 guys, there's probably a hundred plus champions in some kind of open wheel form. Yeah. So, you know, you, you're looking at doing that and, and out there with so many cars and, and so much stuff, it, it's a lot of luck. And so even if you're the fastest guy in practice night, I mean, you could be in a, you know, you could be running on Saturday at nine o'clock in the morning because you got took out or whatever. So you can't get too like wound up and too excited and try too hard. So, you know, my goal is just to make good consistent laps and, and, and try to represent Michigan as the best I can. And, you know, as far as Michigan guys, uh, to my knowledge, there's been three, four, five, I, I think I'm the sixth, me and me and Darren are like the fifth and sixth or sixth and seventh guy from Michigan that's ever done it. So, I mean, I just want to represent Michigan really well. And I'm really looking forward to whatever the results are of walking out. They do a, a flag ceremony on Saturday where each state is represented. And um, I'm really looking forward to doing that ceremony with my nephew. Uh, you know, um, that's going to feel real special to me. Me walking out with my nephew with the Michigan flag, um, you know, on Saturday. I don't know why I thought that Steve Irwin was going to be the one to tell me, as long as we can load it in the trailer in one piece, we'll be happy. Hell no, <laughs> he wants to go out there and win the damn thing. Uh, so, <laughs> Well, I mean, obviously that is, but it, I mean, it's, it's a tall task. And like I said, I haven't been in a midget in a while. So I try to be realistic and, you know, I mean, r realistically, I mean, I want to do good enough so I can get another opportunity. Sure. But I know with my age and, and all that, you know, it's, uh, you know, as you get older, the opportunities get less and less and less, but you know, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to try 120%. And if, if I can set the world on fire, I will, but you know, um, obviously I don't want to tear up their equipment and I, I'm just, I don't want to make it hard on the crew guys. And, um, you know, we're, you know, I mean, we're, we're going to, I mean, I'm going to try, try my be my best. And, uh, I just want to represent Michigan and, um, I don't know what the highest finishing Michigan guy is, but that would be another goal is to be the highest finishing guy that's ever done it from Michigan. I know that, uh, you know, you mentioned a couple of times that it takes some money to get out there. Do you have marketing partners yet? And I know that you, uh, that door is open as well. If, if anybody's listening and can help you guys make this yeah. journey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to be out there. You don't race every day. So, but you got to be out there for nine, 10 days. So you got hotel rooms at 200 bucks a piece for 10 days. Jeez, oh, that gets expensive and, and all that. So, you know, anybody that's listening that, that wants to jump on board, we're, we're, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're going regardless, but I mean, anybody that wants to help and, and pay for the, 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 you know, the expendable, you know, um, stuff out there that, that would sure help. Um, we, I do have a, a sponsor. It's a Michigan based sponsor that we're going to probably, uh, announce this week. Um, I'm not going to say who it is, but it'll, it'll be some news. Um, but um, until we get the, the final, uh, how that's going, um, 
we, we you know, we, we've gotten some help from um, uh, a Michigan person and um, I'm really appreciative of, of it. And uh, we'll probably announce that uh, maybe tomorrow, but it'll be this week at some point. Well, we'll uh, be be sure to hit the share button on that when that comes out. So, Steve, man, uh, congratulations on this opportunity. You know, I always make a chance to come and talk to you. You always make an opportunity to make and come and talk to me too, and we see you in the pits. So, uh, we'll be rooting for you back home for sure. And and uh, man, go get them. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, and uh, thanks for the Simons, um, the whole family. It's a family effort on their side. I've been friends with them. I mean, uh, Kyle started racing. Um, I've, I've known him since he was like 14 or 15, and uh, they didn't have to do this for me, and and they did. So, um, you know, we're super excited to go out. Me and Adrian are super excited to go out, and, um, you know, it's uh, – Number one goal is to have fun, and number two goal is to go go as fast as we can go. Steve Irwin, one of those 300 to 400-plus entries for the 37th running of the Lucas Oil Chili Bowl Nationals presented by General Tire, again, January 9th through the 14th, 2023. Uh, Steve, good luck, man, and thanks for joining us tonight. Yep, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, big appreciations to Steve. Always a pleasure to get a chance to talk to him, and uh, – it's kind of fun. You can hear the excitement in his voice, Rich. He's done everything there is to do, it seems like, in open road racing, and uh, he's really looking forward to this one, you can tell. Yeah, he seems pretty excited, doesn't he? I mean, he said, you know, he's he's been out there, so being out there in that environment's not big for him, but uh, driving out there, uh, you know, he's like a kid in a candy shop, and I hope he has a good time. Yeah, me too. Hey, let's take a look at the upcoming calendar. We talk about indoor races. Uh, we just had the Gateway Dirt Nationals. We're talking, looking forward to the Chili Bowl Nationals. Uh, but, Rich, this is an event I've yet to be at, and uh, unfortunately a schedule conflict I think is going to keep me from it again this year. But you've been to the uh, Fort Wayne Rumble, and or the Rumble in Fort Wayne, rather, and uh, what, a, what a lot of fun you had when you went down there. Yeah, it, it, it's Indoor on pavement, they, they midgets and you know non-wing sprint cars and uh, and go karts and it's it's a fun it's a fun time. Um, you know it's it's a busy day. It's a long day if you go up there, so you got to be prepared for it. Uh, the the Rumble of Fort Wayne, the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum, December thirtieth and thirty first. Uh, so we'll have to see what I I think my thirty first is taken. I think for for a lot of people that's a uh, there's some sort of game being played. I think. Yeah, so I'm going to have to. Uh, I'll probably skip that for the for the Michigan game. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yep. I don't. I. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, so that's going to do it for our show tonight, though. Uh, really, again, want to say thank you so much to uh, Joe Balish and uh, you and Scott for kind of helping get that set up so that Joe could be on the show for tonight. Uh, so I want to thank thank you guys for your efforts on that and Joe for making time for us. I want to say thanks to Steve Irwin for uh, always setting aside uh, side time to join the program and wish him good luck at the Chili Bowl Nationals coming up in a little, well, just about a month uh, from right now he'll be competing out there in Tulsa. So uh, that's going to do it for a jam-packed program. On behalf of Scott Miller, Pays the Bills, Rich France, does everything else, I'm Zach Heiser wishing you a fantastic rest of your week, and we'll talk next week, same time, same place, right here with Horsepower Happening. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.